Alrighty, man. You ready? Yeah, man. Let's rock it. Uh, I think it's appropriate to kind of tell as a segue into uh, our episode today um, about this uh, story you were telling me about. Uh, you had posted uh, what I thought was a really, really nice, solid back squat, full depth, paused, and you had some uh, some interesting comments on it. You want to bring that up? Yeah, man, definitely. Um, so one of my goals lately in the gym is, you know, try to get some strength back, try to get stronger. And in order to do that, you know, you got to lift heavy. You got to lift maximal loads. And, uh, you know, we're pushing it. We're pushing the gym every day. So I posted uh, a back squat, which, you know, I, like you said, the, the form was there. Uh, the technique was there. The depth was there. But, you know, as I've been posting these lifts, you know, at home, my mom's kind of been giving me crap, like, hey, where's your belt? You know, why you got all that weight on there? Is that safe? You're giving me a nervous wreck, you know? <laughs> so so I post this video, and before I even start with the caption, I say, hey, mom, don't look. You know, that's what I started <laughs> out with. Oh, that, yeah, okay. Now I can see what's going on here, okay. So I say, mom, don't look. And so some people start buttoning in, um, leaving some comments saying, be careful, you know, uh, that looks so scary. Where, where's your spotters, you know? And, you know, my rebuttal was just, listen, guys, you know, I, I know, you know, technique, I'm keeping a priority, and I know how to bail on a failed attempt safely if needed. Right, and, and I think that's the perfect segue is um, this kind of idea where people think that, every barbell movement needs to, needs to be spotted, right? Yeah, no way, no shot. And what's funny is you've been in the commercial gym, so you really saw some stuff that was terrible, right? Like when you look at fail videos, most of the times they're done in a commercial gym. No doubt. They, they just they get away with stuff you would never get away in a smaller gym where mm. you have a coach in your face. And it's comical. It really is comical. It's hilarious, I think, why, why they go viral. Now, I've seen some bad ones. I've seen uh, one online where there's a deadlifter and there's either, I don't know, a friend or a trainer in front of him oh, yes, that's I've got his hand underneath the guy's chin yes. and is forking the guy's <laughs> chin and his oh, neck up in there. Dude, we're going to post that link below, man. That's freaking hilarious. That's I remember a good that one. Yeah. It was like to keep his head up, but he was like, <laughs> looked like he was going to kill him, bro. God's about to snap in half and then his spotter is pushing his chin up, like oh, about I to break his neck. One. I forgot that one. That's awesome. I mean, listen, it's funny, but it's serious at the same time. You know, we, we are pushing the limits and we get to these positions where we're pushing 80% of one rep maxes. Sometimes we're going 105, 110, we're hitting PRs. 110% um, of our, our one rep max, right? We, we finally hit PRs. Uh, but sometimes I think there's some misconceptions on how to spot certain movements. So I think it, it could be super important to some listeners to kind of understand our our, our theory behind which movements you should and shouldn't spot and why. Yeah, definitely. And not just in regards to spotting, but give our listeners the confidence to attempt some lifts that you might have to bail on, you know, and it's all about um, having the confidence to bail, um, understanding how to bail safely, but not holding yourself back from gaining that additional strength because you're a little worried that you might miss that attempt. Dude, it's so important. I, you know, I tell the members all the time, like, there's a reason the weights that we use are made out of bumper. Like, it is encouraged to take these loads and maybe fail sometimes in that you have to bail, right? If if it wasn't, then 
let, let's make the weights out of glass and say, dude, don't even set it down nicely, right? Nice yeah. and slow, yeah. right? No, that that's part of the process. Like there isn't a, a, an elite Olympic lifter. There isn't an elite Olympic power lifter that does not miss on lifts on a daily basis. Yeah, no doubt. And something we do good at, at the gym is anytime we're doing a one rep max or a three rep max in our movement demos, we show a safe way to bail on the lift. You know, and I, I give our coaching, you know, props for doing that. You have to because uh, it's part of the technique, right? And I think they separate that from the actual movement quality. But bailing is part of the technique of lifting and it has to be incorporated and taught through all the barbell lifts. So let's go through some of the common ones. I think it's fair to go over the power lifts, the three main power lifts, some of the uh, Olympic lifts, and maybe some derivatives of those, some of those other compound lifts. Um, so the most common, the bench. Do we spot the bench, yes or no? Of course, of course. Even if there's some weight you're pretty sure that you know the athlete's gonna be able to hit, it never hurts to sit back there just in case. I agree 100%. I, you know, I, I will embarrassingly admit that there have been times where I didn't have the spotter and the bar got stuck on my chest. And I had to like do this awkward like- A 300 pound sit up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like this sit up or I had to throw, spill the weight to one side before I spilled it to the other. Yeah, it's man. embarrassing, but it was that whole like, I took it for granted that I needed a spotter on the bench. There, there is no way to get out that bar off your chest otherwise. Yeah, if there's one lift that is a mandatory must-have spot, it's got to be the bench. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. The The other power lift would be the back squat. Now, when we talked about this earlier, we, we had mixed feelings. We felt there were some moments that back spotting the back squat is necessary, and there are some where they're not. So we can agree that elite power lifters, back squatting 600 pounds to a thousand pounds not only need one spotter but you'll see in the actual sport and competition is that they actually have multiple spotters they have individuals on to the left and to the right of the barbell and the guy in the back spotting them yeah yeah definitely and then that that's a safe way to go you know if it's just you know you and one other athlete and they're going for a one rep max you know i don't recommend getting behind them and trying to spot them on that you know it's like you just mentioned with the safe way is to have multiple spots, but really what's gonna be the efficient spotting on that is the person on each side of the barbell, not the person behind them. Yeah, and we even did that in the liftoff. Wasn't something we were used to. We had to take uh, some time to show athletes how we were gonna have the individuals who weren't doing the one rep max during our liftoff to spot the back squat because we knew they were getting up to those numbers uh, well above uh, what their current one rep maxes. So. Yeah, that was definitely a concern, and I think it was a learning experience for everybody because it takes an immense uh, communication to be able to make sure whether you're supposed to touch the bar or not. So, for sure. So, we know uh, a true, uh, uh, those type of maxes, 100%. What about like... Multiple spotters. For sure. Need multiple spotters. When is it okay? It's you and your bro. You're having a bro session. You're doing five by five, right? We'll talk about what that means later, but... You're doing a five by five. It's his fifth set. He's coming out of rip, uh, rep number five. He's coming out of descent, and it looks much slower. He's moving it, but it's much slower. What do you do? Uh, 
I think that's a good time to step in and uh, give some assistance. You know, it's kind of basically dial in on what is the purpose of your spot at that point. At that point, it goes into more of a assistance, okay, more of assisting him get through that last rep opposed to a safety precaution and spotting to assure that that athlete were to not get hurt. For sure, yeah, and he's well above parallel, but he's struggling through that. You know, we say without struggle, there is no growth. That struggle is good. It's healthy. He's not going to hurt himself because he's not stuck at the bottom. And you're just giving those little light love taps, right? Yeah, you're getting him through that last rep, making sure they get through that last rep. Um, and then doing that last rep, they're getting more strength gains as opposed to them stopping on the fourth attempt, on right. the fourth rep. But if you're grabbing that thing so hard, it feels like you're taking most of the load, then it's not okay. Incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. You'll, you'll probably tell them to rack it way, way before the fifth rep. Yeah, no doubt. You just got to make that, you know, it's kind of a judgment call. You know, that fourth one, he fights, you know, they fight, he barely gets up. You say, hey, rack it, you know, uh, take your win and, and keep it moving. But the fourth one looks clean. The fifth one's going up a little slow. You go ahead, step in, get them through it, and uh, live to see the next day. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the 5x5. Five five. It's like you see that coming. It doesn't come out of nowhere like because he's moving through those sets. Those weight are getting closer to his 80% max uh, for the 5x5. Five five, and then that's when you see that coming. So, yeah, it's not a surprise. Uh, it's not like he just puts 300 pounds on and then he struggles. It's a slow progression of struggle. And then that's when you know you really got to be vigilant. Yeah, it's just based on having the awareness to – to make that call, you know, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's what I got. So the, the, the other, the third powerlifting competition and powerlifting is the deadlift. And as we said, as we almost mocked it, like there is you can't no spot it. Yeah. At any point to ever spot a deadlift. It starts on the ground. Like what's worst case scenario? The dude doesn't lift the weight. It does not move. <laughs> it stays there. Right. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, do it doesn't not, make sense. You can't, you can't spot it. it doesn't make sense. Don't grab his chest. Don't grab his chin. Yeah. Don't, don't bear hug him. Just leave it alone. Yeah, I agree 100%. You, you either pick the weight up or you don't. That's what happens. Now, strict press, military press. This is moving into some of the derivatives of the Olympic lifts. It's one of the movements in the overhead series. Uh, this one is interesting because uh, we we have different approaches here, right? One thing we know for sure. Do not sit in front of your bro as if you're going to kiss him to try to spot him. Like, do not get in his face. It just looks awkward. It feels awkward. I don't want any part of that. I mean, it's almost safe to say there's no good-looking way to spot when you're in front of the person, whether it's a bench press or a strict press. A back squat. Uh, bro, yeah, no. back Anything standing in front of the lifter is not okay. It's just, awkward, man. You got crotch in the face. You got like... Yeah, how about a visual of you getting spotted on the bench press, someone standing in front of you? It's, it's, just, just, it's just not cool. Dude. Yeah, we'll leave it at that, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll let the uh, the listeners' minds just uh, figure that one out. Wander off. So never spot the press from the front. But what you were saying, which is interesting, because I've never had that experience, is that if if an athlete it goes right, it's not a one rep max. We, we never touch that thing. But we're going through a five by five, a ten rep max, shoot twenty rep max. I've seen it, and athlete is struggling through those reps. They're fifty percent uh, finished with the lift. The bar is coming overhead, and there's a struggle. You you're saying you have spotted that a little bit with the tricep. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean. 
it all comes down to understanding the reasoning for the spot. You know, at that point, the reasoning for the spot is for a, a little bit of assistance. You know, getting them that extra rep or two, they would not be able to get on their own. You know, keeping it safe, keeping the movement quality on point, you're just giving them a little bit of assistance to get that last second or third rep or, or whatever the case may be. But, um, like I said, it's just an awareness of why you're doing it. You know, I wouldn't spot a one rep max strict press because, again, it's coming down to you either get it or you don't. Now, a 15 rep max or a 10 rep max, you can kind of help them get through those last couple. I feel like the benefits will be there. They'll get stronger from attempting those last reps with a spot that they wouldn't get on their own. Yeah, and you had mentioned what's interesting uh, is that 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 feedback when you kind of tap those triceps a little bit to kind of give them assistance it also gives them a tactile cue to make sure they're keeping their elbows tucked and they're not flaring and they're not doing anything whack up there yeah no doubt and then you stepping in for the assistance will keep their technique on point as well you know they might attempt for that last one you know it could get a little ugly just because they're so fatigued you stepping in is kind of dialing back that fatigue and getting them through that last you know rep or two with keeping the movement quality on point point. yeah and that goes i think when if you got a, a workout partner you guys are developing that relationship but if you get partnered up with someone in group class like you just got to have that conversation hey i don't need a spot or do you know how to spot this i mean this goes really this is not about like lifting skills it's about communication skills like that's an awesome point man that's a great point when i would say to spot on a strict press like that it's the awareness of the lifter still maintaining wrist stability. You know what I'm saying? So for instance, if you're grabbing someone's triceps, bringing their elbows in, if they don't have the stability to maintain with the wrist, that bar is gonna come down, you know, that's sketchy. But if you have the confidence in this lifter that, you know, they can keep their wrist stable, they can keep that grip overhead, you can assist in their triceps. Cause at that point it's the yeah. fatigue setting in. That's really good, that's really good. Um, front squat. Front squat. This is interesting because one of the things that uh, that we know about the front squat is those that lift it the best are able to maintain a really aggressive high elbow through the entire lift so much that their tricep almost runs parallel with the ground through the entire lift. And so I think with novice athletes, it's okay to kind of spot, not necessarily the lift, but spot the elbows uh, through that front squat so they don't sag the elbows. But I'm not like lifting the elbows to help them lift the weight all i'm doing is giving them a feedback to remind them to keep those elbows high because athletes that keep the elbows high most often than not are able to take on those heavy lifts yeah and at that point is it still considered a spot at that point it's just kind of you know assuring that hey this is what we're looking for it's a little tactile you know cue to keep those elbows up yeah know? yeah no i i think you're right i think there is a blurry line there like how much of you how much is that really a coaching point or versus an actual spot where you know we define a spot as you actually taking load some load of some degree off of them yeah i think i think you're right i think if you're lifting the elbows and it's assisting them by lifting the weight then yeah it becomes a spot but i think that would get really awkward because remember the higher the elbows the more that bar like starts to choke you literally mm -hmm. so yeah that's a really good point would you spot that bar from the back no Nah, I don't. I don't think you can. I. I think you know. We talked about earlier before we got on about you know a front squat's one of those movements that you're really not gonna spot with. Uh, it's you know the probably the safest movement to bail on a mislift on. That's a good point. The bar will is only going one direction, and you head the other. So mm -hmm. you spill forward. 
you spill the bar forward and you fall back, fall on your ass, do what you do, fall in a nice squat, whatever. But uh, it's a really good point. It's a very clear line of where the bar is going and where you're going and they're in uh, complete opposite directions. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think it's one of the moves that, you know, people have the confidence to move forward with and go for the sub-maximal loads and, you know, push the limits because it's easy to bail on. You throw it right in front and that's it. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. It's like the bail is given to you if you need it. You don't have to think about it. Um, and last but not least, I would think one of the most complex movements we have in all weightlifting uh, outside of the snatch, ironically, is a derivative of the snatch, is the overhead squat. Athlete takes it from the rack, spreads his hands, his or hands out wide, they push press it overhead, they start to fight through overhead squats. Do you spot something like that? Absolutely not, okay? It's doing you, you're putting yourself into more danger of attempting the spot than you would let the athlete bail on it on his or her own. And that comes down to, you know, confidence on the athlete on knowing how to bail. But in regards to a spot, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's it's probably one of the most dangerous lifts to possibly spot. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, dude. I mean, the we have no idea. No lifter knows whether that thing is going to fall forward or backward. That happens at the last moment, right? It's such an advanced movement because – you. They have a split decision to decide if they're going to miss that lift, whether they're bailing forward or backwards, depending on where their center of mass is at that moment, they feel like they need to bail. Yeah, it's super sketchy. What's funny is you've literally had hardcore 15-minute arguments with, with people that have said that you should spot it, that you should, you should sit behind them to spot them and support them. Yeah, no, it's a funny story. I was talking with uh, you know a real good friend. Uh, you know, he's got a big ego on him. He, he, he's strong. I got to give him that. He's strong. But uh, he's, he's more narrow-minded. And, you know, he sometimes puts a little more on the bar than he probably should. And then, you know, ask for the spot. But, yeah, anyways, long story short, one, one time we were, uh, we were working out, and he wanted a spot on a uh, – it was either an overhead squat or a snatch or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's no need for it. There's no reason. It's, it's dangerous. And uh, – nothing he could have told me would convince me that it's okay to spot an overhead squat oh, or man. a snatch. There, there's no reason for it. Uh, Dude, don't ne- do it. <laughs> I've never seen it. I mean, and listen, like, don't take our word for it. Like, didn't you say, like, bro, show me an Olympic lifter that's getting spotted on an overhead squat. Just think about that in a sentence. Spotting an Olympic lift. It, it just it doesn't make sense. There's, there's no need for it. It's hilarious. Uh, but what one of the points that's really important to consider when we go back to learning to build confidence through bailing, there's not an Olympic lifter that doesn't miss on multiple lifts. The, the idea of being afraid to bail is a mentality that should be broken. Like mm-hmm. it's not whether you should bail, uh, whether a successful session is based on how many times you didn't bail or didn't. It's did you give it 110%? Did you try to overcommit and create a speed that you've never had before under the bar? Like that's the goal. And if bailing happens because of that, applaud. Yeah. Congrats. It just comes down to the confidence in your ability to miss a lift if you need to, you know? With that confidence, will bring forth more confidence on getting stronger, okay, attempting a weight that, you know, at first you might think that's a little out of out of your reach, 
But, you know, what's the worst case scenario? You attempt it, you miss it, you move on, you go for something a little lighter. Yeah, we're on the same page, man. So hopefully that kind of helps people kind of understand like what the philosophy is on some of those. And like, don't don't take our word for it. Experience with it. See what makes sense for you. Like, because at the end of the day, it's your body. You you you're gonna be the one under those loads, and you want to know with a hundred percent confidence whether you're supposed to bail that or be a spotted or assisted with that. Mm-hmm. Because if you uh, assume and you're wrong, there is a high cost. For injury, uh, at these lifts, at eighty percent or more of your one rep max. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, the the end goal is to get stronger and to really reach that full uh, strength. You know, you gotta, you can't be afraid to bail on any weight. So that that's a good segue to uh, you know some strength work. You know, we got into this whole conversation, you know, because you know it's a big big time goal in the gym to get stronger. You know. Uh, if you get stronger, you're moving better, you're moving faster when it comes to any conditioning piece, anything like that. I know you're big on the traditional uh, five sets of five in regards to trying to get stronger. Um, you know, I'm curious to, to hear more about that. Yeah, you know, so our biggest excitement about our program is the most difficult part about our program and that that's we promise that we will deliver a unique training session every single day week and month at our program so the excitement is no one's ever come to me like dude i'm bored of training like oh my god it's a new workout today if anything it produces um, uh, more excitement for something new something challenging with that said it takes a really really long time to master and get strong at any one thing if they aren't putting extra time into doing things like strength programs right and you know, sometimes, you know, members get surprised or frustrated when they're not getting as strong as they think they should. But when we put numbers together, like if I told a power lifter, like, hey, I need you to build up your back squat as fast as you can, but you're only going to touch the back squat once every 10 days, every 14 days, he would think you're crazy. Yeah, it doesn't but, make sense. And the type of training that we do with the multiple movements that we th- cycle through it's 10 to 14 days, and that's if on the 14th day, you come to that day that we program that movement again. Because it's essentially almost a month if you miss that workout before you come and actually see that movement again. And so people get frustrated, and what we try to tell them, like for us, it's like we see this, right? We're the outsider, and we're the coach. We're like, it's not a coincidence why that movement is not developing and progressing as fast as you want. Because they're not doing it. They're not putting in the time. They don't understand. Like Olympic lifters spend their two decades on two lifts every single day for two decades and they're still incrementally getting stronger. So we need to just create more priority and that if strength, if you're actually trying to get strong and you're gonna commit to it, you need to take extra time outside of the group the group programming and put in that work. And for me, the five by five is the best way to do it. So you're recommending the five by five on top of our workout of the day. It has to be a supplement. There's a reason why we send the workouts once a week on a Sunday. It's not to save me time. It's to give members the opportunity to do other things outside of here. We don't need to hold their hand. When we're in class, we're going to give them 110% of our time. But we are also doing that to acknowledge that if they want to do strength programs, if they want to do endurance programs, if they want to go do some other things. They plan accordingly. They can plan accordingly because we're giving that. That whole like 
Like it's so archaic and silly to post workouts the day before. What is that? What opportunity are you giving your members to do other things outside of here? We're not the end all be all for them. We want them to go challenge themselves and try other things. But for instance, an athlete, today we have back squats, right? They know that uh, it's a Wednesday. They shouldn't come in an open gym and do back squats, but they wouldn't know that otherwise if they hadn't got that seven-day programming. No, it makes sense, and, and I think it's one of the you know better things we offer is that programming in advance. You know, But if someone does want to get their back, their back squat stronger, they have to look at our programming and just do nothing more. Just touch the back squat and do a five-by-five. Five. Here's how you do it. First, you've got to test out. So if you don't know your one rep max, you've got to learn it. To make math easy, this is how it happens. Uh, I go in the gym um, uh, and I PR at 100 pounds. I got a 100 pound back squat. Okay. So what you gotta do is you're gonna take 80% of that, 80 pounds. You're gonna come in the next week and you're gonna build up to 80 pounds in three to five sets. And then your first true working set is the 80 pounds. You're gonna do that five times. Okay, so it's not, if you say do a five by five, Brett, I'm not adding weight each set or it's one fixed load for all five? On a traditional 5x5, you stay at the same weight. So that week you test it out, uh, the week before, this week you, you start your 5x5, five five. you're going to do five sets of five at 80 pounds. Okay, I understand. Because that's your true 80% max because you just test it out. Not a number you had two, three years ago, not some number you're guessing in your head. You have to test it out. That's number one. Now, in a perfect world, you hit all five sets of five of that. The following week, you're going to jump up five pounds. That's it. Five okay. pounds. So the following week, I do five by five. I build up. This is not considering warm-up and all your build-up sets. This is me finally getting to that. When I finally get to that weight, I do five sets of five at 85 pounds. The following week, I do five sets of five at 90 pounds. The following week, I do five sets of five at 95 pounds. Now, in a perfect world, that's infinitely going to keep going up. For beginner to novice athletes, it works miracles because they never put themselves on a program to allow them that opportunity to slowly get strong. Now, what's going to happen eventually? They'll plateau. They're going to plateau. And so what the five by five, the traditional five by five calls for is a deload four weeks prior, right? So perfect math, four weeks prior is 20 pounds lighter. So uh, let's say on my fifth set, at 100 pounds, I missed it. I only got three, I couldn't get five. I was exhausted, the strength wasn't there. Boom, it's not an unsuccessful session, it's a successful session because now we're acknowledging, now I'm hitting a plateau and I'm gonna fight through this. So the following week, you're gonna go down 20 pounds. So, so you'll deload right from that last miss attempt is what you're telling me. And you're gonna go four weeks prior to that. So for me, it was, you look at, you gotta track this stuff, right? Really yeah. guessing. So four weeks prior, 80 pounds, cool. So that week I go, Five by five at eighty pounds. Oh, next week, okay. Go, next week I go five by pounds, eighty-five. Right. So what it does is it builds builds the volume in the legs. So when you get four weeks in again, you're at a hundred pounds. And at a hundred pounds, there's only two options: you finally hit it successfully, or you miss. If you miss again at any point, you don't successfully hit the five by five, you go back one more time four weeks prior, which was 80 pounds. You give it another four weeks, add five pounds every single week till you get to hundred pounds. If you hit it. Do this thing all over again. Yeah. Now you're at the following week, you're at That's 105. That's very interesting. It's really interesting, yeah. right? Now, if you miss it for the third time, you go on a completely different strength 
protocol. Yeah. So what is that? We're switching up the rep scheme or? Exactly. Yeah. You do, you do what we were talking about, the conjugate, right? You can do, or you can do the Bulgarian, like heavy squats every day. You, you just have to, as we agree, you have to change the stimulus because the body you've done. You're adapted. hundred percent. You change it completely. And so you were talking about the conjugate system. That's a perfect transition into uh, your third failed attempt at this five by five. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to that, I just wanted to point out, you know, the five by five, you'd agree that it's that perfect weight to rep ratio to where you're feeling what it's like to be heavy, but you're doing enough repetitions to get practice in. Wouldn't you agree? My favorite. I think the five by three is a little sketch. It, uh, the the five by ones that this really advanced. I would stay away from that if you're a beginner to novice athlete for yeah. sure. That that five rep is magical, literally. Yeah, because you you know you're feeling both worlds. You know you're feeling what that eighty percent heavy weight feels like, but you're doing it often enough to understand what that technique should feel like, and you're doing it consistently, so you're getting good practice under your belt. Totally, dude. And, and so that goes into your, the, the, the strength program that you've like is, uh, what's Louis Simmons program again? Uh, it's called the conjugate method. Basically what it is, it's working your way up to a heavy single, okay, uh, just about daily, but instead of varying the weight on what you can do on, on the rep scheme, you'll vary the movement, okay? So each day I'm working okay. my way up to a, Pretty close to a one rep max, okay? Heavy single or one rep max. Now, the days are varying, you know, one day it'll be a deadlift, okay? Next day it'll be a bench press. The next day it'll be, you know, a squat. And then within those movements, there'll be different ways to do it. You know, I'm really big on pause squats. You know, one day when it calls for your work your way up to a one rep max pause squat with a three second count. You know, the next week might be a five second count. The next week, it might be no count, you know, just uh -huh. down and up. Well, it seems like what's interesting is like it's a micro change in stimulus where the five by five is more of a macro. It takes much longer to change the stimulus where uh, it seems like this conjugate system changes the stimulus almost daily. Like one lift is heavy and then that lift the next day is really light. But the other lifts switch where one is light and one is heavy. Yeah, exactly. You're working your way up to a maximal load daily but it's going to be a different movement, okay? And then the movement you maxed out on the day before, you'll be, you know, touching up light, you know, uh, speed days, um, you know, lighter weight, more reps, uh, more practice reps. Well, w w so this is probably a recommendation for, like, advanced athletes, more, right? Yeah, more advanced, because when it comes down to it, you're working your way up to a maximum load daily, okay? And that's pretty taxing. So you got to make sure you're doing yourself with recovery okay um you know you're eating right you're sleeping right because you are testing your bodies on the regular you know daily right yeah and two like that's not even considering them doing our training program three to four days a week so it it can really get funky i think there's a way of doing even if you took the conjugate method with one movement like let's say we wanted to get our back squat up why don't you do the heavy one day do a light speed day on Wednesday, and then maybe Friday you do a moderate load lift. So at least you're getting through the squat three days a week, but you're trying to complement it with our training program. Yeah, exactly. It's basically taking that same movement, okay, switching up the days with it, 
and then switching up the way you perform it. Mm. You know, going going back to the squat. You know, you can throw the pauses in there. You can do the same with the bench. You know, one day I'm gonna do a one rep max close grip. Okay. You know, two days later I'm going back to the bench. I'll do a one rep max wide grip. Okay. You know, two days later I'll go back to the bench. Um, a one rep max with a pause on the chest. You know, they're all the bench press, right? Mm-hmm. They're all the bench right. press, but it's a different variation to perform that movement. Um, basically, to when you go to that basic approach, which is hey, one rep max bench press, nothing fancy. It feels a lot lighter because you're doing all this crazy and fancy stuff. Often, to where when you get back to the basic lift, you're prepared for way more than that. So that feels a little lighter. You perform that lift a little better. Dude, I mean, it, it just, like, when we talk about it, it just makes sense. Like, it comes down to putting attention and commitment on these lifts without waiver. Yeah. And that's how people get strong. It is not some magic potion. Like, they get in and they do the work consistently well and they don't stop. Yeah. And they develop the confidence to maintain that consistency and, you know, shoot for those strength gains without worrying about missing an attempt. You know, I feel like it's a good time to kind of recap, you know, let's, let's recap what we talked about uh, today, you know, start off with, uh, you know, the, the majority of the podcast is, you know, about building strength and in order to do that, you got to know, you know, having confidence to, you know, shoot for an attempt, even though you might miss it, just do that properly. Uh, having the confidence to do that. Uh, what to spot and what not to spot, so for a couple reasons, keep it safe and to not look like a, uh, a, a freak of nature doing some funky stuff in a corporate gym. And I think, like, you, you know, we've been in the game so long, we know right off your head you would say back squat, uh, sometimes spot, bench, for sure. Like, we've been in the game. If you're new to this, I would say take the 10 most compound lifts and write every single one down and say, would you allow yourself to get spotted in this or not? Do you believe it should get spotted or not? Versus this kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, spot me on this if you want. Like, you should be adamant about your philosophy on that and stick to it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great point. Well, that's it, brother. Another great, successful session. Guys, leave comments below. We've had some great feedback so far. Uh, we want to continue to keep putting these out once a week uh, until we get a little bit better hang with this and then we just start spitting this stuff at you guys. Yeah, man, appreciate you guys t- tuning in. Uh, you know, I feel like we got a lot of stuff to say. We're going to keep on bringing the fire, so just keep on tuning in. Later. Later.